What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I am Mike. With me is Kev and Josh. Happy Juneteenth, everybody. Uh, the Hounds got a draw out in Oakland. Other stuff <laughs> happened. Like, All right, let's yeah. uh, wrap it up. Yeah, Great show. Uh, uh, you know, thanks Action-packed uh, game to talk about today, guys. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Kev, uh, before we dive into that, you were in town this weekend. How was your, how was your trip? Uh, it was a whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, um, drove up, t- takes about nine hours for us to drive up on Friday. Um, arrived at our parents' place. You showed up. We had a nice evening, had dinner. You guys left. We went to bed and then woke up. And then it was just like, yeah, saw my friend, saw Riley's friend, saw my parents again, saw Riley's parents. And then we went to sleep. And then we woke up and drove home again for another nine hours. So, yeah, it was like, it sounds was- like a perfectly pleasant weekend Kev. yeah no it was genuinely really good to see everyone um you know if it was you know a two-hour drive we would be doing this a heck of a lot more um but in the end it almost feels like we were on the road as much as we were around people so <laughs> it gets it gets a little exhausting um but uh but no it was it was good Josh, I was pretty sure Kevin was wearing platform shoes because I think he's now like a full foot taller than me. Um, either that or I've just hit that age where I started to shrink. That's definitely it. That That's probably it. That's definitely. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're that old. <laughs> I, I'm not. But yeah, I don't remember Kev, you being that tall. When do people stop growing? I wonder. Is it even I'm, possible for a 30 year old to like, like not grow for like eight years and then grow again? <laughs> gonna say no i'm gonna i was just like biologically it doesn't seem like it's allowed yeah i don't think i don't think so (laughs) yeah i don't know um josh how was your weekend uh good i'm trying to think of what happened over the weekend uh watch the hounds at home we didn't bother leaving the house uh we had a terminator movie marathon uh which we only watched the first two uh There's like seven of those. Well, that's not really a marathon. <laughs> okay, I watched three of them in a row. So that I feel like three movies is a marathon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people fair. left after the second one, which I wholly suggested. I was like, that they 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 don't get good after this. This is <laughs> T two is the peak. Um, I saw that going another way. I, I was waiting for you to be like, I was just thoroughly, uh, you know, ticked off and was cussing them out for skipping after the second the second one. No, no. no. So. Uh, one of the people that always come over, Don and Abby. Uh, Don is not allergic to cats, but Abby is. So mm-hmm. our house is always like, all right, I'm coming in. We're going to watch these movies. She loves coming over. She loves hanging out. But then like by two movies in, she's like, uh, I need to leave. <laughs> I'm dying. So that's yeah. about as far as she made it. Allergy medicine only goes so far. Yep. And plus, yeah, there was also the fact that it was on Saturday. So, one, people were wanting to get home to watch the game and also the Swifties. Swifties. Uh, everyone had to vacate as soon as possible so they did not get stuck in traffic uh, for the Swifties. So. Kev, when you were when you were there at our parents' house, I told you about the uh, video that the Hounds put together, which kudos to, I don't know if it's Grubba or who else in the media department, but they're putting out more of these like midweek videos of just the guys and what, 
two weeks ago, it was like the best friends challenge, which was really entertaining. And then this week they just sort of sprung it on the players of what's your favorite Taylor Swift song. And I said, I was totally in the camp of being like, I don't know. Like I, I know if you, I know I've heard Taylor Swift songs, but I also don't go like actively looking for them. And so it was funny to me, like half the guys that were like 22 and then you had like Dos Santos and Etu and, uh, and, and a few others that just sort of like stared blankly back at the camera. Like, I, I don't know. Kev, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? <clears throat> Cruel Summer's Hard to Beat. Uh, re-releasing that as a single, it sounds like. Um, it's it's a summer it's a summer pop hit. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah, Cruel Summer's good. I like the one off of Folklore. Um, I love uh, Bonnie Bear. Um, so her collaborations with Bonnie Bear, um, the Exile song is good um can't can't go wrong man i watched she's 32 33 and like put out 10 albums like she cranks through them and yeah gotta gotta respect apparently she made a decent donation to the local food bank I think yeah she does that to i think like all the cities she goes to um but uh i mean yeah i don't know the dollar amount but two sold out shows back to back like people waiting in line the day before for merch uh i mean that's the thing like i can't like riley and i were trying to think put if you try to put up any artist in the world to try to match her numbers like i don't i don't know i mean what? does this does this top Beatlemania? So, i wasn't alive there's like this whole <laughs> like debate going on like oh there hasn't been a star like taylor swift but like i don't know like Michael Jackson was so huge. Like Elvis he would walk into a building like he closed down a whole like Knicks game or something like that. Like basically he, he came to watch the game and like they had to postpone the game because it got so crazy. Um, and then Elvis was so big that like he literally like walked in to the White House like I want to talk to the president. And like they said, OK. And like, <laughs> and like he had weapons on him and like they had like put some of his weapons, but he still had like a gun in his like boot that they did not take from them. And like, that's, that's a level that I don't think we've really seen since. I do want to be clear. Yeah. I, I meant like modern day, currently working yes, artists. Right? That's right. Like, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. 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 It's, but I feel like every generation has that artist where they're just like larger than life. No one's ever going to beat them. No one's ever as good as, you know, no one before has been this good. And it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. So Kudos to her, like you said, early 30s, crushing it. Let's get into acting. That's what's going on here. Like the other artists we didn't mention also did movies. <laughs> so yeah, like, but she needs to start doing movies. I don't think anyone would say, like, you know, Elvis did a good job breaking into the acting. I, <laughs> I would have given you Michael Jackson, but Elvis actually did do a lot of movies and was like I, pretty big was, movie star. But, but should have should he have like that's all the, the movies were crap back then? It's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember. There was a movie crap I'm, i can't remember the name of it it came out i want to say in the early 2000s where the whole premise was that um elvis was actually still alive in a nursing home and oh, there boba was hope Tet. boba uh, hope there yeah. it is i knew you know it yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, i mean it's bruce campbell's in that yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the one that plays elvis and love bruce campbell so yeah boba hotep is a uh weird fun movie yeah it's also like somebody Anytime somebody says Elvis in a movie, that's what I think of. I know it's not him, but like it was somebody playing Elvis in a movie. JFK, the one guy thinks he's like has the soul of JFK in him or something yes. like that. Is the other yeah, yeah. Uh, character? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a crazy funny movie. Yeah. 
Have you seen it, Kev? No, it's all sounds ridiculous. And just kind of oh, it is. It's fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, Elvis yeah. should have never. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and isn't it like what the the nursing home is under threat from like a dead Egyptian guy? Yeah, I think it's a mummy. Like it's like a like an yeah. old Egyptian curse or something like that. So it's like a Elvis personator slash guy who thinks he's Elvis, guy who thinks he's JFK in a nursing home <laughs> going after mummies. It, it's yeah. weird. It's it's a far out there movie that just is fun. Yeah. So there you go. That, there's your homework, everybody. Go check out Bubba Hotep uh, in between the Hounds games here. Um, guys, speaking of the Hounds games, uh, it was a late one. Uh, we had a, uh, a 10 o'clock start here on the East Coast because they were out in Oakland. Uh, Hounds come away with a nil-nil draw. So takeaways, <laughs> I, you know. This is one of those ones where I think this very easily could have gone either way. Like, Josh, you and I got in early and we're like, well, maybe not a lot to talk about. And I was fully waiting for Kevin to be like, what are you talking about? Like, there was so much to see. And this is like a great nil-nil draw. Usually I'm good for one of those, aren't I? But yeah, uh, yeah not this one. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better because I was yeah. like thinking like, oh, we're going to talk about this game. And I'm just like not looking forward to this game. Yeah. Like talking about this game, there's just not much for me to talk about. I got a, I got a few thoughts. Um, oh, can I do one of mine first? Because yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, you to steal like, my <laughs> two thoughts. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Samudio starting yeah. for us. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. We had that one-month loan. I don't know if we talked about it yet on the podcast. So, yeah, we have a one-month loan for a keeper from, is it? D.C. United. D.C. United yep. 2? Do they have a two-team now? I don't think so. He had, he played for Loudon last year. Okay, and so then it's just now, D.C. Yeah, okay. it's just D.C. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so him on loan for one month. And I know there, at least in the Steel Army Discord, but there's a lot of debate, like, would he start? Like, it felt weird for him not to start because why put a player on a one-month loan if you're not going to use him? Like, it seems like a weird, do we really need to have three keepers at all times? Right. So, uh, yeah, the fact that he started, I thought was really interesting. It felt like one of those things where, you know, the discussion they, they talked about it on Hounsey with Jamali Waite, he's basically going to be gone for the next month. It was announced today, the official Gold Cup roster for Jamaica. He's on the list. So um, he he was there the other night. They basically have three Gold Cup group stages between now and July 2nd, which means that in theory, Waite is not going to be available for our game this week against the Loyal, our game next week against Louisville. In theory, he could be back for the game against Sacramento. And that will be a very interesting game to see if Bob decides to start him from, you know, while he was away versus going with somebody like Zamudio. I don't know if Zamudio's contract even runs through July 8th. Um, We'll have to dig in and see. But uh, yeah, a lot of discussion about, you know, you have these two other guys that really haven't gotten minutes in the typical Bob Lilly fashion of rotating keepers. And is that more indicative of just, how much faith he has in weight or how little faith he has in the two other guys that are on the bench. And I think the Zamudio getting the start right off the bat sort of leans more towards the latter in that, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's trusting a guy that's basically coming in, you know, for a week or two uh, to get the start over those guys. So you feel bad for those guys, but uh, you know, I thought Zamudio did, decent job there was one or two saves that he he had to make and he did okay all i can think of is the the was it susu studio i just think Sus-a-mudio. kev <laughs> what was your you you always tend to come in here and judge keepers what was your read on zamudio i mean i think one of the big things two points on him 
you mentioned he had to make one or two saves of note. One, I think, was particular. One comes to mind um, where I, I forget when it happened in the game, but it was a shot through a bunch of bodies. It might take a slight deflection, mm-hmm. and uh, and he kind of watches it calmly and gets behind it. Um, that and I think he just generally looked confident in his abilities. Um, there was a, there was another moment. It's it, body language and confidence i can't really pick out specific moments but just the way he i don't know the way he gets down to for, for that save the way he kind of collects balls the way he's kind of restarting play i don't know there, there was a confidence in him which is impressive i mean like with a broader context we don't have to linger on this point too long but like to have a month-long loan um even if it's like from dc to pittsburgh I I just wonder what that does to you as like a human, right? Like I presume you're just staying in a hotel for a month. You're coming in, you don't really know the players and you're just asked to sit back there and go to the, you know, go out to Oakland and go and just, you know, save some, like play well for one of the top teams in the East. And so, um, hard, hard to kind of judge him off of this game. Uh, it's only one game, but I mean, you know, he looks good. To your point, I thought there were there were one or two moments where you could tell that between him and the back line, there was this like me, you, you, me, like who's taking it like kind of moments, which you would totally expect just because the chemistry isn't there. But for the most part, he looked like a starting USL keeper. So, you know, Uh, I, I feel a little bit bad for him because literally his birthday is going to be next game. His birthday's on the 24th. So he'll be turning 25 while as a river hound <laughs> in Pittsburgh, yeah. in Pittsburgh, away from everyone. So that, that really sucks. So, you know, does, does that get him a TIFO? Like, I mean, <laughs> not in this short notice, no, but uh, we'll sing happy birthday to him. I'm, I'm sure of it. Okay. Ariana doesn't want to yeah, do the TIFO. No, it is a short notice. <laughs> I get it. No pressure. Um, I thought he did good. Um, I thought it was interesting that after the last two games, you know, Tola was two for two in goals, did not get the start in this one, came on at halftime. I thought called it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought he looked good. Um, I thought his holdup play was decent. He had a couple of chances that he put on net. They obviously didn't go in, but you know, he was confident. confidence. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, there was one in particular where Laser got the ball deep and sort of crossed it into the box and uh, and Tola did like a little heel flick almost. And the, unfortunately the keeper was like three feet away and was ready for it, but it was a cheeky little thing that you don't do if you're not sort of brimming with confidence. So it's good to see that after the start of the season, he still has it. Um, yeah. So good on him. Um, one of the things that was like running through my head, cause I knew going into this game, what the final score was. I ended up watching it the next morning. Do you guys feel that this was one point gained or two points lost, Kev? I, I no, one point gained for sure. I, the, the thing that was running through my head before the game started was that um, I was like, okay, if they get three points here, then this is undoubtedly like we are going for first in the East and we are putting a big flag down and saying like this year is ours and because to go on the run that we have gone on and to play as well as we have been playing, I know it kind of sounds a little ridiculous, but to go away to Oakland 
and win, I think would have been huge. It was definitely on the cards for how we were playing, but I think it would have been big, uh, especially with the injuries that we have. You can make an argument over the past couple games that we've maybe been outperforming expectations based off of, you know, who we see. Um, so a draw away from home in the current state of the season. Once again, I know that sounds weird off the like win streak we've been on is, is really important to make sure that we still have a very strong foundation moving forward. Uh, confidence doesn't drop too much. And I mean, more importantly, like, yeah, I mean, hopefully that it's already gotten across throughout the, podcast so far this wasn't us hanging on for dear life and and we you know undeservedly got a draw um you know we we play solidly um over the course of the game and and get a draw it's a good point i'm i'm happy with it yeah i at one point while i was watching it my wife walked in and she was like oh wow it's no no and She's like, wait, they're in, they're in California, and I was like, yeah. And she was like, wait, and we're missing Dequa and wait. And again, I was like, who are you? Like, what? <laughs> and I said, I mean, yeah. yeah. And so she was like, well, that's not awful. And I was like, yeah, you're right, it's not awful. Like, we're you go out, you get the job done, you come home. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. But our next out of our next ten games, eight of them are at home. So like, you sort of you take this one on the road, you get your point, you come home, set up camp for the next two months, and. Uh, and just, you know, gobble up all of the points. But back to the question, Josh, one point gain, two point loss. Uh, definitely one point gained. Um, and I was going to speak to the rotation because it's it's more than just weight and Dequa. It's weight, mm-hmm. Dequa. Ortonius wasn't on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that. Um, I thought he's been solid. So I was kind of surprised not to have Ordonez. Uh Mertz also uh, not there. So it's a situation where like that's a lot of key players for us mm-hmm. right there alone. And the fact that we go out of there with a point. Yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Do you think yeah. I kind of wish this game wasn't so late? So it was easier to watch this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I stayed up for it. I did not watch it afterwards and it was definitely a slog. So yeah. respect. Um, do you think the Mertz thing is. Do you do you does that point to the injury being more serious than you would think or less serious in a weird way. I think from everything I've been hearing is that it's not so much that the injury is serious. It's just that it does need time to heal. It's like he needs to not be aggravating it so it can heal. And didn't even want to come on from my understanding the previous game where he was on for like 10 minutes and got uh, shuffled back out because yeah, he didn't want to aggravate it. So, like, this is much needed time off for him to get that healed so he can't come back 100%. Yeah. And again, I think it, you know, Hounsie talked about in the last episode that the depth of this team is just kind of insane. That, you know, Josh, you just rattled off a whole list of, you know, really four players that could be in all US, I shouldn't say all USL contention, but like definitely first names on the team sheet that are just out. And we're able to plug in guys. We see some more Rovi, who like has been in and out of the lineup with injuries this year. Um, I would argue. I mean, I still don't think we have a ton of depth, like in the forward line. No, for sure. And the the lack of goals is showing that. Like, I mean, the fact that we like, I feel like Dequa being out is a huge hindrance to this team. We've been able to overcome despite that, but has 
always felt like a pleasant surprise, not a given. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is, as long as Deke was healthy, I don't think that Tola gets a ton of minutes, which I think is a shame. I think it would be interesting to see more. Of, they, there's been a few games where the two of them play together, but it feels like Lily prefers Kizza to Tola if he's going to play two up top. Um, this is the opportunity for Tola to hopefully get some more minutes, get the confidence up so that maybe there is a bit more of a balance once Deco comes back. But when you literally have somebody that's, you know, tied for the golden boot lead um, and, uh, and it's just sort of tearing it up in multiple facets of the game, you're not going to bench them for Tola uh, at this point, unfortunately uh, for him. So, yeah, I don't know. Sense. I mean, yeah, we can have a maybe a brief, longer conversation, brief, longer conversation, a brief conversation around the Tola stuff. I mean, because it got teased last last time we chatted about like, OK, do you guys think Tola starts this game? What do you think this means in Tola's place in this squad? Because if, if, if there's ever a time to start. It's I was surprised. Game. I was surprised yeah. he did not start this game. I thought he should have started. Yeah. I, it's so tough, right? Because any other coach might have dropped him after three or four games because he was getting opportunities. He was just, he wasn't capitalizing on them. And Lily clearly saw something in him and continues to see something in him in practice that gives him the belief that Tola is going to be a a really prominent striker in this league at some point. And look, it could be the case of, you know, you look at a, a Biasi, you look at an Ibarra where last season they didn't get a ton of minutes. They were kind of hit or miss, you know, when they both were sort of signed, we were like, okay, like, can we do better? And like, now they're both sort of standout players for the team. It could just be the case that we have this first year out of college kind of thing where it takes some time to develop. And Lily knows that we're, we're going to talk about some other Lily players here in a minute. And, and then, Again, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I was wrong. Like, I, I feel like I'd absolutely questioned sort of how he was finding players and bringing players in in this offseason. And uh, when you look at sort of how former hounds have now gone on to do great things across the entire league, other people are taking notice and just plucking Lily players. So if Lily believes in Tola, I feel like give him a year or two and this guy is probably going to be something special now what does that mean for right now i don't know i i really thought that he was going to get the start in this one it feels like in my mind the pecking order is or or should be and this is no offense to anybody but dequa tola kizza i feel like kizza has a few goals but he's a very different player to that of dequa and tola i feel like they both play a more similar game big bodies hold up play can sort of attack things in the box. Whereas I feel like Kizza is more of a sneaky kind of slips around almost more of a Nico Brett in kind of a way. I like, I think similar build, um, but not a, not a pure score the way that Brett was. Um, whereas Deke and Toll are just like, you stay up top. Your job is to get the ball, hold the ball, let the guys get forward. And then you play the ball off to them. And then you, you make your run. Whereas I feel like Kizza is just sort of like slipping and sliding through the box and trying to pick up stuff. Um, Kev, what are your thoughts? Similarly, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, 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 before going to that, I want to go back to a point you said. I mean, like, so you're suggesting potentially that that shown me is essentially one for next year. Um, yes. and he has just a bit part to play in this in this season. 
I think so. Okay. Um, I mean, it definitely seems that way based off of the starts that he's getting and his, and his involvement in the squad. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't really split Kizza and showing me, I think they're very different players. Mm-hmm. I think if you give Kizza showing me's chances he's had over the course of the season, Kizza probably has another two or three goals, but I think showing me creates chances that Kizza can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I can't really split them. Um, if you were, if you were, but if you're ranking those three, what order are you putting them in? I don't know. I, I just, I think, I mean, I'm, I, I'm go ahead. Go ahead I was just gonna say, I, I feel like Kizza is better with someone else up top with him. I feel like Kizza kind of needs uh, having Kizza on the field while you have another scoring opportunity on the field, like a, a player who can score. It, it helps draw defenders away. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, he plays better with that dynamic yeah. than he does just as a out and out lone striker. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's not his strength. I don't think it's good. Like Kiz is good by himself. Yeah. Kev, you know, you, you sort of mentioned early on where you thought that once Griffin came back, he kind of took Kizza's role to a certain extent. And I think that, I think Josh, I think you're spot on. I think that Kizza is much better, not in like the 10 spot, but he's not as good as being the guy. Like he can't just be the guy that everything funnels through. He's sort of there to be the guy beneath the guy. So, you know, when things fall to him or, you know, give a one, two touch with the guy, then that's where he thrives. Um, yeah, he's almost more like Griffin than anyone. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, like you're then if you're not classifying Griffin as a forward, we essentially have two forwards at the club. <laughs> and one, right. And one of them's hurt. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we have others, right? We have what Tony Lopez who sees Jeez, minutes he's here and there. Off the face yeah. Of the um <laughs> you have Langston, but like he's nah, been playing he's more wide. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> really right. converted him. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, no, it's interesting. It, you know, hopefully Dequa comes back um, fully healed and, and is rip roaring ready to go during this home streak. But uh, yeah, if not, I mean, this is perfect time for Tola to get some points at home, build up some confidence, and uh, just keep rolling with it. Um, Mike, go on, yeah, go on to more points you might have. I have another point, but I need time to calculate it. I just have one other point here. Uh, and and that was, I was looking at, you know, before every show, I'll sit down and sort of compare the Hounds statistically to the team that we're playing. And so the USL has a, a, a page where it has all of the different teams and just the stats and it ranks them in each category. And so like, which team has the most shutouts, which team has the most goals, which we're currently one off the lead for most shutouts in the league. So that, that feels about right. I was a bit surprised to see that the hounds now lead the league in fouls. Like we commit the most fouls. Good. And that, well, see, that's, that's where I was like, first of all, it doesn't feel like it to me. Like, I don't feel like we're overly fouling people. You know, if you ask Cincinnati, they would say, yeah, you are. But Kev, you you always talk about you know the need for this bite and this grit, but do you even feel like the number of fouls that you've seen so far this year equate to the most in the USL? I am a little surprised by that, um, but I do. It does seem to me, at least, that I see a difference in this team 
2023 than I did in 2022 in that aspect of, of our play. Surprise, surprise where the highest. Yes. Okay. Surprise where the highest um, in the league, but it does seem different to me. Josh, are you surprised? Um, I, I definitely feel like we foul a lot more than we have in the past. Like that, I'm not surprised that we are getting more fouls than normal for us, or at least for the Lily's team in the past. But I am kind of surprised that it's the most fouls because I just I don't feel like it's that egregious. Although, I mean, this game is a little bit an outlier. I feel like because the ref going into this game is known for giving yellows like candy. Like uh, I think uh, his average is. Uh, 4.6 yellows per match is yeah. uh, his average right now. I pulled it up with the Steel Army. I, say, I love that you said, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, mean, I could see where I was at with it. I was like, I know it's on here somewhere. So <laughs> I was just going to guesstimate, but I found it. Uh, 4.6. So that is a lot of fouls. And we got all those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Kev, did you come up with your other point? Not really, but I, I want to wait. I want to linger. <laughs> I want to lots of to talk about. We don't have to stay on this game. I, I want to linger on the foul thing real quick. I mean, it, so I do think that, and correct me if you guys think I'm wrong here, but if I feel like most of the fouls are coming off of um, the mo- mostly, I mean, okay, if I say defensively, well, yeah, five out of our 10 outfield players are defenders, but. You know, if you Dos Santos, Farrell, um, Ordonez, you know, Hogan, Shields, I feel like in scenarios where we play a back three and or back five, depending on how you want to cut it, and Lily wants those center backs to be aggressive, knowing that the other center backs can bail you out and sweep up behind you. I think what we were kind of we we got done on in the past and or at least in the past year like last year was in those scenarios when you come out and you're one-on-one with the opposition forward if you don't win your battle it's a chance for the opposition and i'm completely okay with going in and knowing like okay if 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 I'm losing this battle, then I'm I'm at least willing to go in there and also stop the, stop the play, allow us a chance to regroup. Yeah. I mean, you know, DeSantos and Farrell both get yellow cards in this game. Um, so you're saying, you're saying win the ball or take the foul, like win the ball or yeah. Stop I mean, because in those scenario calls. in those scenarios, Lily's putting so much responsibility on those mm-hmm. def- on those defenders he's kind of putting them on an island a little bit mm-hmm. and and leaving them really exposed um and so you can't you can't get beat abara can go in and press and get beat and it not lead to a chance dos santos does that and it's it can be a game-changing moment so um you know in those scenarios where you're asking your defenders to be really aggressive and, and to defend in one-on-one situations i think that's it's not only reasonable but understandable so if that's the case and it's kind of the system that's causing us to get as many fouls as we're getting should the club be responsible to pay the players fines that they have to get when they get a certain amount of yellow cards because i think dos santos got his fine finable yellow card to, in this game i i think it's 250 dollars that he owes now can you imagine 
if that policy isn't in place at the club and dos santos just like goes up to lily and he's like hey like, can i have 250 can you spot yeah, 250? Just, yeah just puts around the collection hat like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i you know yeah it, it, i think what will be interesting is if if we're noticing this I would be shocked if other teams around the league aren't noticing this. And if you don't see people whining to the ref about things like that. Oh, okay. Forward. Maybe that I was going to say, but like, how do you play against, I mean, like, Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you, yeah, you, but if it's something that this becomes a pattern where it's like, you either win the ball or you foul the guy, like you're going to start hearing teams chirping in the ears of the ref of like, watch for it. It's going to happen. Now it's going to happen. And so, oh, yeah. 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 Um, I was going to say anything else about this game. I might just say, no, there's nothing else about this game. It was a solid point. The guys that were in played hard, Um, you know, traveling across the country. It's a late start. Your body feels like it's, you know, what, four, three, four hours later than it actually is. So to come away with a point, great. Take it, go home. Super duper. Um, Do we know the injury schedule for Dequay yet? uh, the, The latest... Uh, that we got from Steve was last week and the word was four to five weeks um, with surgery. So we have not got an update this week. I will touch base with him and sort of see Steve has become like our guy and our inside guy. He's like there. He's talking to people. He knows the stuff. Um, It's cool to have an inside guy like that. So thanks, Steve. Like putting a media badge to work. Which That's is, right. Yeah. You know, something we usually don't do. It's like, hey, you guys right. want a media badge? Sure. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> Nothing. Hanging Not on the it. wall, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool that we got one, though, huh? That's right. Yeah. So if if we say, if we say Deke was out for five weeks, mm-hmm. uh, very loose math, um, that means he'll miss at least like 25% of the rest of the season. Maybe. If, if we have to check the timeline. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate on anything. But if if what do you Steve mean? is it's saying five I weeks, <laughs> I know. No, no, no. Listen, if Steve was saying five weeks when he said it, right? Then we're already two weeks into that five week period. So we're basically talking San Diego, Louisville, Sacramento, and he's back. So in theory, yeah, but he's not back like fit and fire. And it's know. but well, it's his shoulder, right? Like this isn't yeah. like a lower body injury. And I think it was actually four weeks until he's training with the first team was mm. what it was. So like we kind of assume, okay, four weeks until he's training with the first team, which probably means another week of getting fit with the first team. Yeah. And then coming on. So like five weeks, I feel like it's a pretty good estimate, yeah. like the long term of it, not the short term of it. Agreed. Speaking of Dequa, I'm just moving on. Speaking of Dequa, our buddy John Morrissey at USL Tactics, he now has a uh, a Substack email that goes out, I think, once a week. Uh, I'm not sure how, how frequently he does it. If you don't subscribe to him, go check him out on Twitter. The link to subscribe is there. The content he puts out is really, really good, and it's long form. It's free. It's great. But he released his one-third of the way through the season to mid-season uh, player awards so far through the the you know first third of the USL season, and I thought it was interesting. He put together his all USL first team and second team. On the USL first team, his starting forward is Albert Dequa, and yeah. and his the message that he wrote for Dequa was co Golden Boot leader Dequa has scored nearly half of his team's goals. He often anchors the tip of a one man forward line in the press, crunching center backs with aplomb and fronting an elite defense. Want more? 
Deke was a plus header on the ball is crucial is crucially in wait, crucial involving the midfield via holdup and capably operates in a strike pair. He's taken the leap to be a real MVP candidate in 2023. And it isn't just the scoring that's doing it. So out of everybody in the league. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, out of every team in the league, often it's players out West that get all of the accolades uh, for attacking. And so for Deke to get the shout there, and he wasn't the only one. Arturo Odonez also got the shout for his first team. With almost eight defensive actions per game and a tackle win rate hovering around 70%, Arturo Odonez is the anchor of the East's best defense. The center man in the back three, Ordonez is both a clearing center fielder in the box and a marauding destroyer capable of stepping into the midfield. His poise is remarkable for a second-year pro. So, and three goals. And three goals. So, yeah. like... I, I I was pleasantly surprised. I had that email sitting in my inbox for a few days and I was like, ah, I'll go read this and see what's there. And I was like, wait, hold up. What? Like we, we got two players in the all USL starting 11 from John, which listen, I know it's all fake. It's all made up. It doesn't really matter. But knowing John, I sort of take what John has to say over what like USL itself has to say. Cause I know that John's not full of crap and he doesn't sleep because of all of the games that he watches, whereas USL clearly does not. So um, I, I will say with, with USL tactics, it's less politics. I feel like in play, yeah. like anytime something comes out from USL main, like the, you know, home office, I always feel like, are, are these teams like, oh, we have to make sure we distribute it across yep. the whole league so that yep. way everyone's happy that we're like calling out certain players? Like, it always feels like maybe there's a little bit of, you know, making sure everyone's happy uh, using this as a publicity thing for like yep. other teams and like making sure they all get a shout out. Um, so, yeah, it is nice to see John's uh, rankings. Uh, I, I feel the same way about his articles on Backheel. Like, I yep. usually, I know power ranker rankings are overall bs but it is nice to when i read his i feel like it's a little bit more like you know he's not just gonna blow smoke yeah what was interesting was when you looked at the rest of the first team uh also on the list were danny vidiello and russell ciceroni so i just mentioned how lily has this penchant for picking out players um four players out of the starting 11 are former lily guys or i should say former hounds guys not even former lily guys and then he moves on to the second team. Danny Griffin gets the shout in the second team. I'll read his because I just read everybody else's. A midseason pickup for the Riverhounds. Griffin has hit the ground running and then some upon his return to the Steel City. Used as something between a number eight and number 10. Griffin's positioning without the ball single-handedly clogs the center of the park for foes. He can still put in a neat tackle and does so efficiently, but the manner in which Griffin connects with his teammates on give-and-go moves and runs of Albert Dequa is more exceptional still. Pittsburgh goal difference with Griffin on the pitch is 1.6 goals higher than without him. And that says it all. So three guys on John's, you know, top two USL teams thus far. Can't really argue with it. I did think it was funny on his second team also with Shane Wheat, who was with Sacramento and Alex Dixon. So again, two more Lily guys, five or no, wait, I can't do math. No, that's four, seven. Seven out of 22 players are former hounds on that list. Um, also, for whatever reason, it didn't click to me that Shane Wheat is also with Sacramento. So now you have Ciceroni, Vidiello, and Shane Wheat are all with Sacramento. So in three weeks, when they come to town, that's going to be a very fun game. That's going to be a bit of a homecoming for all those guys. 
Um, what team does Dixon play for? Monterey Bay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, any, you know, any thoughts on that? Is there, you know, he specifically calls out Ordonez, Dequa, Griffin. Do you think that there's anybody that he should have gave a shout to before those guys, Josh? I mean, I'm going to say Jamali wait, but <laughs> I kind of understand why. Yeah. Why not like I don't know keepers in the the Lily system are always weird to me because you kind of just they're they're good they get great clean sheets but is it because of the system or the player although him getting the gold cup call up is a pretty good yeah. indication of what people think of his worth yeah it is interesting whenever you look at a Lily keeper oftentimes they will get shutouts for golden boot but it's often not like they have the most saves um, because they're just not facing as many shots as some of the other teams. When I'm doing these comparison between teams, oftentimes you'll see that the opposing keeper has a higher save percentage, but simply because their defense is letting far more shots, shots through than ours, than ours do. Kev, what were your thoughts? Do you think there's anybody other than Etu that uh, you think should have gotten a shout above these three? That's the thing. I was thinking about what I mentioned <laughs> Etu. Um, I really, he I missed re- like half the season though. Like, well, that's the, I mean, I even, well, so did Griffin. I mean, you know, but in, oh, yeah. but no, I, all of those players deserve their spot. And I would, yeah, I mean, I would argue they're probably our top three performers of the season. Um, I need to try to be objective here. And, and, uh, <laughs> I still think real. that. I, Etu's quality is insane, um, and I, I don't I, disagree. Yeah, I, I think he's a very, very good player for us, but um, but no, not ahead of those three. Yeah. So that's just a little sampling. Like I said, if you don't follow John um, in all of the various places that he writes, uh, John Morrissey, make sure you go check him out. Um, and his, like I said, his his Substack comes right to your email, so go check it out. Um, interesting stuff. Sometimes he'll do deep dives on one particular team. Sometimes it's sort of all league stuff. Uh, it's really all over the place, just John doing what he does. So we almost always have him on every season. Um, great dude. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, guys, let's take a quick look at the standings here. So that one point, unfortunately, drops us out of the top spot in the East. The battery are all of the rage this week after their late come from behind victory over Hartford, which like, really? Like, Shouldn't we be talking about the fact that you have to come from behind to beat Hartford, who have 10 points on the season and, uh, you know, really only two wins to their name? Like, isn't that more the story than the fact that you came from behind? Um, as the All Steelers, the Charleston fans are saying, no, the story is we're first in the East. Yeah, yeah. But listen, <laughs> as the Steel Army pointed out, if you actually look at the standings at this point um, of the eight teams that are currently in playoff positions in the East, only three of them don't have a negative goal differential. So somehow Charleston are at the top with a negative three Jeez. goal differential, um, which is kind of insane. Uh, we we literally have, what, plus 12 goal differential over them at this point. So regardless, the Hounds are just one point back on Charleston, and we have a game in hand. Charleston have played 16 games. We played 15. This, this race is clearly far from over. It's been one week. Uh, I think that this stretch of eight home games in 10 uh, leading up to the fall is going to be, you know, potentially that sort of ramp up time for us to just sort of run and just keep running with points. Um, Even though some of the teams we're going to talk about here that we're playing, we've got Sacramento, we've got Louisville, um, San Diego comes to town this week, uh, but we have Louisville like twice in three weeks. 
Um, so lots and lots of games. Um, but thankfully, like I said, the vast majority of them are home. So that's great guys. Any thoughts on the standing? I didn't even read off the standings for those listening. It's Charleston at the top, then us. Tampa are right behind us, uh, two points back. Memphis have had a late push. They are now in fourth. And then rounding out the, the rest of the playoff positions are Louisville, Birmingham, Loudon, and Indy. But there is, you know, Indy's at 16, whereas we're at 27-28. So you are starting to see a little bit of separation between the top and bottom of the playoff picture. Um which is good to see. And, you know, the further Indy can fall, the better. But uh, any other takeaways from uh, from sort of looking at the standings? Louisville still surprises me. Like, I don't know why, like, just the thought of Louisville not being a dominant team in the East is mm-hmm. just crazy. And they're they're not right now. They're not looking great. Their last, their last five games, they have two losses, two draws, and a win. So apparently they're struggling to score but they have a rookie keeper that's like playing out of his mind. So they they've got some things they've got to figure out. If you have a, if, if, if you have a keeper that, you know, people are singing his accolades and you're still two losses, two draws and a win in the past five. Um, there's some other stuff that's going on there. So also, I mean, to, to temper that a little bit, I would say, you know, if they win their game in hand, all of a sudden they're two points back from us. So right. it's not like they're, you know, in the game coming up in two weeks is a three-point swing or six-point swing, potentially. So, yeah. And it's two games in relatively short amount of time against yep. them. So it's, it's going to be going to be interesting. I remember when the season or when the schedule came out um, early in the preseason, we had talked about that. And Kev, I think it was you that was like, "That's kind of crappy." Like, because you know, if if you have a situation like this where like Deke was out for five games, he yeah. might miss both of those games. And like those games could be crucial in terms of determining the Eastern standings. So it is kind of crappy that it isn't more premier league style where, you know, you play everybody once and then you get to mid season and then you play everybody again, just so that it's, it's a fair shot. But that's the standings guys. Let's uh, take a look at pick them. Uh Oh, Kevin, you did get a point this week. I was gonna say, still at the top. What? Got I don't know. Me, but <laughs> I'm I'm three point. I'm I'm one correct win away from uh from from getting your points. Laura, Ellen, and I are right behind the non-Mongols crew. You guys are all slipping, man. Devin and Keaton and and Michael. You guys gotta pick it up here a little bit. Um, we're getting again. We're getting a lot of. Um, I think especially this Oakland game. A lot of people picked the right result. I don't think anybody got the right score. Every, there was a lot of like two twos, one ones. No one picked nil nil. So um, keep that in mind when we're uh, when we're picking for this week. Um, but again, if you're interested, pick them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, whoever is the top point getter that isn't involved with Mongols, you will get two free tickets to this two free season tickets to the Hounds in 2024. Um, and so the idea is you play every week. You you go to YouTube. You enter your score prediction in the comments. And uh, you get three points for a correct score, one point for if you pick the correct result. So in this case, a lot of people got one point because they picked a draw, and then no points if you get both of those wrong. Um, so go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Guys, San Diego comes to town this weekend. They currently sit fifth in the West. They've drawn their last three, all against Western teams. So it's, it's hard to sort of gauge where they fall as it relates to us. 
Right before that, they lost 2 nothing to Oakland, though. So if you're looking for a comparison, we just played Oakland nil-nil. We were missing our starting keeper. You know, Josh, you pointed out Ordonius didn't start. Deegwa didn't start. We pulled out a nil-nil draw in Oakland. They lost 2 nothing to Oakland when they played them four games ago. They're currently 2-3-3 three, and three away. So um, what? They've, they've not won three times as many as they have. Um, I just made that more complicated. They have not <laughs> lost to an Eastern team this season though. So when you look at all those numbers, it's against Western sides. They have not lost to an Easter team yet. There are no former hounds on the team. So you don't got to worry about that. Donovan's not playing. So don't got to worry about that. Um, they have conceded 10 more goals than Wait, we have. Donovan's not playing. What are you talking about? Landon Donovan, co-owner of San Diego. Yeah, but he's, he's he wasn't he playing for them. He played for them, and then he managed them, and oh. now he's like front office stuff. Why did I think he didn't play? I thought he just did front office stuff. I don't know. I don't I watch play for a season. You could be I right. I'm probably wrong. Anyway, um, what did I say? Oh, they've conceded 10 more goals than we have, and they have half as many clean sheets. So that sort of paints the picture of they're giving up more one goal kind of things. Um but statistically, if you were looking at sort of shots and goals scored and pass attempts, and we're pretty much just statistically the same. Now, say what you will about that, um, because obviously they're playing more Western teams or playing more Eastern teams, whatever it may be. But um, any thoughts? We're back at home, which will be great. Um, this is, like I said, the start of that crazy road, our home stretch. We're eight out of the next 10 were at home. So, if there is going to be fatigue for the fans, it should be later this summer. Hopefully we all come out flying. Um, I any think, other thoughts before we do predictions? I think that's a really big game. I think in the same way where I thought the Oakland game was important for us to not lose, I think this is a really interesting test to see what kind of team this is going forward. Um, I think it's easy to ride the high of good form and good momentum. I, so I say easy. It's not easy. But when you have that as a tailwind, things become easier. I don't know if the tie against Oakland all of a sudden takes that tailwind away. And now we're kind of like, all right, back to whatever. Um, but, you know, I think if we go out and win this game again in the absence of Dequa, um, and potentially Mertz and, you know, that's really big. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with it. I don't think, you know, a draw is not the end of the world here. I might even predict a draw. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Josh, what do you think? Um, well, I don't, I don't think this is a big game. I, I don't think games against West coast teams can be all that big really just because of the point swing and all that kind of stuff. And I don't, it's harder to take those games as seriously as the games against East coast teams. Uh, but I do think it is an interesting game. It's going to be interesting to see how we, we react to the, the pressure of it being at home again, uh, having this not winning streak, but this, you know, uh, haven't lost in what, eight games now i can't remember what it is now um but also like something to keep in mind is this doesn't seem like that great of a team to me especially with the fact that like the three 
East Coast teams they played, they played two of them at home. Miami was the only good one out of them because the other two were, uh, I mean, sorry, not Miami, uh, Rowdies uh, were the only good one out of them. The other one was Miami, and the other one was Detroit. So, yeah, they beat Detroit in Miami, but those are teams that are outside the playoffs right now. Um, So, eh, (laughs) I'm not feeling that. Uh, scared of this team and i i do think uh you know the being at home the boost that the hounds get from that um i i do think this will be a win i i think being at home all of a sudden becomes like our best player on the field um which is crazy because it used to not be like years past our home record wasn't the greatest so it's kind of interesting to see that that's become a new thing uh turns out selling out crowds uh really helped (laughs) This is going to sound really dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway. Part of me almost feels like the draw in Oakland is going to benefit us here because I feel like the streak that we've been on, if we just keep winning, I think to a certain extent, the guys can somewhat become complacent. This is total speculation. I don't think Lily's going to let anybody become complacent, especially with the depth that we have. But if you go to Oakland and you win, it's very easy to look at the schedule and be like, ah, we're going home and we're going to play San Diego. Like we can roll up and like, this should be a piece of cake. We're dominant at home. No big deal. You go to Oakland, you get a draw. There's a little bit of humble pie that goes into it where it's like, you know what? Like we still have to fight for every inch of this. And so therefore, yes, we're at home, but this is not a gimme. Like we got to really work for it and we got to get the three points. So if we have Mertz, if we have Ordonez, I do think it's a lot less of a toss-up for if it's going to be a draw or not. I think if we have, other than obviously Jamali and Dequa, if we have everyone else healthy and able to play, I feel pretty confident about this game. I would agree with that. I would say having Ordonez and Mertz in the starting lineup or in the starting squad like increases our chances by like almost 50%, um, which feels big. Um, I don't know. I'll be controversial here. I, there's a, both of you said multiple things that piqued my interest. <laughs> Mike, I'll start with you. One, I don't know. I think if 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 we need a draw for us to, I don't know, not become complacent, then this isn't a team that's going to win the league this year. Like to to have a, a a winning mentality. This is why I said it's probably stupid. But like now. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's not stupid. It's an it's an interesting point that I think would have been relevant in years gone by. Um, and all right, here's some real, you know, hand grenade into the conversation. Um, Josh, it, in a slightly humorous, slightly serious point, you you said the line something like, "I don't think this is a very good team." And then I finished your uh, um, like thought in my head. I was like, "Yeah, on paper, we don't look like a good team right now." <laughs> And so that's my thing. I think at the end of this, I I know we have. And hold on, hold on, real quick, Josh. You were talking about San Diego. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he, he knew, okay. he knew. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay. He was right. thinking yeah, I was okay. talking about the Hounds for a second. Yes. I was like, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so look, I I know we've gotten good results without Dequa. I still don't know who's going to score for us in this game. And I think that's that continues to be a serious problem. I think we we skated by with Ordonia scoring three games in a three games in a row back to back to back, and then you know I I don't feel let's put it this way. I think Kizzo will probably start again. I think Shuamni will, will come off the bench. 
I'm not confident either of them are going to get a goal. Um, maybe Griffin gets a goal, but once again, let's not remember Griffin has one goal and zero assists so far this, se- this season in regular season USL play. Um, or is that Mertz? No, that's Mertz. I can't say that's that's not Griffin. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so you know, Kenny's not necessarily lighting it up either. So I don't know. I just. I just want one thing that you saying that made me realize something. Maybe the fact that so many of the East Coast teams have negative goal differentials this year is more of a condemnation on how easy it is to score against these teams and how lucky that's been for us because we don't have out and out strikers right now. We don't have easy goal scorers. So it's just the luck that this year's teams seem to suck defensively and they're all just leaking goals left and right. So that's been to our benefit more than any other team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I I don't know. I just look at years gone by. Let's even take last year, for example. Um, I don't, you know, Cicerone, Dequa, Dixon, all of them weren't as good as Dequa is this season for us. But you can kind of count all of them to get a goal every four games. And because of all of them could account for a goal every four games. That meant any given game, you're getting a goal out of one of them, probably. And so I always felt confident saying, well, we'll get a goal from somewhere in this game. You know, with, with this, I just, I genuinely struggle to, to see where our goal comes from. But isn't that part of what makes this team unique this season? I mean, Etu scored 22 seconds into the game uh, last week. That's true. Look, I'm like, yes, that, and, and that was a great team goal. We, mm-hmm. we, we flood the box. Uh, we get, I think, five I, as I say, box. I think you made the point. Yeah. Five players in the box. So is this more, let's just is put this, this season I more about system than stars. I haven't seen, um, that needs to become a repeatable pattern for more than like five games. And I think so far this season, it's been Dequa lights it up and we're strong defensively. I don't. I I would say that you know, great team goal is a recent abnormality, not a season long norm. And so, before I can start leaning on that as a source of our goals, I just and also look. Once we get good team goals, we're flooding players in the box. Griffin's numbers have to go up. Mertz's numbers have to go up. Kenny's numbers have to go up. And right now they're not. And so, and I know Mertz is hurt and blah 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 blah. But you know. I'm going to push on that just a little bit because I feel like it's very easy to sort of look at individual statistics and say, oh, well, that's why this thing is happening. But I look to Tola's first goal in the regular season um, where Biasi sort of makes a run, feeds a ball in behind, and Tola is there to put it away. That's a goal at Dequa scores. I think mm-hmm. that goal is a result is a a result of the system, and it just happens to be the case that we have players that you can sort of plug in and they'll make things happen. And just for for the system to this point, that player has been Dequa. We've seen Tola get into situations where he could put them away, and even if he put away half of the chances that he's gotten thus far, he'd be right behind you. He wouldn't have nine but he might have four or five and then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We'd be like, we know where the goals are coming from. So I think that, yes, I see your argument of it's not easy to predict in the way last year where you're like, Oh, it's going to be Dequa Cicerone or Dixon. Like that's where the goals are going to come from. But that doesn't mean that the goals aren't coming. 
And so we've only had four games this season where we didn't score a goal uh, out of 15 games. So yeah. that's kind of nice to see. And I'm trying to figure out which ones Dequa was out for, but I don't think the zero goal games are all Dequa not being in the game. Yeah. And I think it's also just one of those situations where when I need to look back at, you know, what is our actual goal against average? I'm assuming it's less than one at this point. All you need is a goal and you can win. So this isn't like we need three or four a game. It's you need one. And when you only need one you can come from anywhere, doesn't matter. And so, I, I think all these are really good points. And and I mean, even I said last week, I think I predicted a 2-2 draw. And I think mm-hmm. I said, I don't know where the goals are coming from, but I think <laughs> they're So I, but I think the only problem comes, though, is I know you said, well, if you look at individual statistics, blah, 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 blah. It's just hard for me to kind of really get behind this team goal thing when you look at, a, at your pool of players and like, you know, Ordonez is your second leading goal scorer with three, and Kiza is your third with two, and then it's just one, 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 and it's like, is one of those players who scored one goal, you know, this this past season? Can I really say like, oh, I think I'll get a goal this like in this game? No, I can't. Like, I so, so you're right. I, I it's a good point, and I but it's just hard to predict. <laughs> I, I listen as if if this season has proven anything. Is that where you're all terrible at predicting anything as it relates to soccer? <laughs> like we can't predict scores, we can't predict results. Like we can't predict who's gonna score. Speak for yourself. Um, it's all over the place. <laughs> Ooh. Wait, I'm sorry. What was that? I didn't hear uh, I'm at top and pick up Mike. Thank yeah. you very okay. much. Right. Can't you say got, nothing. Thank you. Got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's do some score prediction, guys. Kev, since you're so cocky and overconfident over there. What's the score going to be in this one? I'll go with another nil-nil. Oh, dang. Gosh. One zero hounds. You um, only need one. I'm going to I'm gonna up it. I'll, I'm going to say two nil. Last time I said two nil and I was like, oh, I don't feel good about this. Like, I forgot about Deekwa being gone. I forgot about weight. And then we got the goal 22 seconds in and then Tola had the icing on the cake at the end. So I'm going to say another two nil game. I think San Diego, um, Josh, to your point, yes, they have not lost to an Eastern Conference team yet, but most of the teams they played aren't good. And when they played Tampa, Tampa was not Tampa that's on the hot streak that they're on right now. They're going west to east, um, which... I would think is harder than going east to west, but maybe not. Uh, and then um, smaller field, turf, the whole thing. Uh, I feel like we have – Highmark has become a bit of a fortress, and I think that the guys will capitalize on it um, and be gearing up for you know Louisville coming to town the week after that. So 2 nothing is my shout. Um, guys, real quick, I've mentioned this a bunch of times. Uh, eight out of the next ten games are going to be at Highmark. Josh – I'm assuming the majority of those, you will be there. Just yep. what, what is your gut when I say eight out of 10 games are going to be at high mark? Um, uh, the only thing that makes me pause is, is congestion of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm happy if it's like, you know, Hey, every week we have a game at high mark. That's great. Hey, every week we have like two games at high mark that that's okay. Wait, hold on. Like yeah. I, I don't, it's nice that they're at high mark, but it's, it's a little bit scary to look at congestion of the schedule. Um, yeah. But they've been great at home. So 
Sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, in this next 10 game stretch, and it's hard to say without actually looking at the opponents or things like that, but we have said, Kev, you mentioned that Highmark has sort of become the 12th man. Um, in the next 10 games, how many losses and how many draws do you think that's, we get? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say two draws. Three, sorry, two losses, three draws, five wins. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I'm trying to figure out how many of these games are actually at Highmark because we have an away game on July 12th and an away game on July 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those away games is at Louisville. Yeah, I know. That's what I was just looking at. Like, oh, that's... I forget where the other one is. Yeah, Isn't that great, Battery. though? We we spent we spent the like podcast saying like Louisville man having a bad season. They were like Louisville away. <laughs> we're like, oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I mean, the other the sad part is the other one is against Charleston, and they're top of the East right now. So it's like the current top of the East in the historical you know top of the East uh, teams uh, are both our away games. Um, yeah, I think three losses is, but I'm not putting draws in there. I'm thinking like yeah. The rest are wins. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Liz says, "Mumble, mumble, carry the one." Yeah, that's that's the that's where we're at, Liz. It's that point of the show where it's late and we're just kind of mumbling through it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna say two draws and a loss, and seven wins. I think we're we're on a bit of a tear. I think we keep riding the wave, and I don't. Look, if if the battery are like the best team in the East, they did not look like the best team in the East when we played them, and we didn't have Dequa. Um, I think this team is something special this year, so we'll see. You happen to be more optimistic than I am, and I thought I was being. <laughs> <laughs> Which going into the season, I was absolutely like bottom. Yeah, of remember that? Yeah. Remember that Mike? That uh, yeah. pessimistic Mike that we had at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Kev, you you felt you look like you were gonna say something. Yeah, I, and I don't know what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> it is that point of the show. Well, yeah, that is what we think. Let us know what you think. One uh, one programming note: uh, next week I will not be not. I'll be in the country, but I likely won't have internet access, so I will not be posting the show on the typical uh, Spotify, Apple, whatever it may be, just because I won't be able to. But there will be a show next week. It will be on YouTube. You can watch it live on YouTube. You can listen to and watch the show after the fact on YouTube. And you can now listen to the podcast on YouTube Music. So YouTube Music now has a podcast you can subscribe to. It'll act just like any other podcast. So you'll be able to listen to the show. When I get back, um, assuming I'm not completely drained, uh, basically Saturday when we play Louisville, I will try to post the show, but no guarantees. So there might be, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple and and you're waiting for the show to come out next Monday, go check it out on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, get all the updates, um, all of that. And uh, yeah, apologies, but not really. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> Life goes on. I know. <laughs> Like I said, I hope this is the last time, like Have forever. Fun in the woods. That's right. Yes. Last time out in the woods for quite some time. 
and then we'll go from there. You live out in the woods. <laughs> I do. I do live in the woods. Literally, literally yesterday, um, I was in the house and I heard the chickens making a whole bunch of noise. And I was like, what is going on? And I looked out to see a fox, like broad daylight, like chasing one of the chickens. And so I like yelled at it like it was going to do something. And it did <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, it did. Yeah. Fox, so get out of the hen house. We're, we're down a chicken, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, that would have like devastated me like years ago. And now I'm just like, yeah, that's life. <laughs> like, I hope they all die. <laughs> it's, it's not that. It's just like after a while, you kind of become uh, not numb to it, but you just kind of accept more like, well, that's life on Realistic a Realistic about the whole situation. And, and listen, yeah. listen, it's the chicken's fault. Let's be honest. Like <laughs> I have two fences, two that run all the way around to keep them enclosed and they choose to fly over the fence and like leave the fence in area. At that point, I'm like, y'all dumb. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to protect you. You're ignoring the protection. There's only so much I can do. I'm not putting leashes on you. That's not going to happen. That'd so like hilarious. Just, if you leash all of your chickens. Walking oh, my chickens around the neighborhood. <laughs> again. Yeah. So. All right. I think that's our show. Um, man, I, I was like, we have nothing to talk about. This might be our longest show this season. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, to talk all about San Diego to preview what to expect from Louisville and, uh, and go from there. But in the meantime, thank you everyone. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>